And uh, as, uh, as Joseph pointed out, the sermon series have lasted more than a year. I thought we were going really fast, but apparently it took a little bit longer. Um, so today we'll do uh, these verses. And just to very shortly bring us up to speed, we're at we're in uh, Passion Week, or in the very last week of uh, Jesus's earthly life before he dies, and will be resurrected. and And he's just uh, just as we left off last, he had instituted the Lord's Supper, and it's gonna therefore start with this a uh, little bit of a abrupt abrupt sentence. That's um, gonna say, and when they had sung a hymn. They went out to the Mount of Olives. <clears throat> then Jesus said to them, He will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Then Peter answered them, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even until death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Could you not watch one hour with me? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again for a second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, you will be, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for a third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, with a great crowd, with swords and clubs from the priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given a sign, given them a sign, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hand on Jesus and seized him. Behold, 
one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said, Put your sword back in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you not know? Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the scripture be fulfilled that it must be so? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out against me as a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of all the prophets, of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Amen. So, so when a company, when a company give its outlook for its uh, its uh, quarters and physical years, they come with something called guidance. Like we're guiding, we will make this amount of money this next quarter, and this, our guidance will be that we'll make how many things. And so sometimes they'll give a span of how many millions they think they will make. And some some com- some companies uh, on purpose go low, so they they think we're gonna make seven million, but we'll say five or six. It can't be too much because then people will be suspicious. So they'll under-promise what they think they can deliver. Other companies might be very, very excited and think there's great possibilities, so they might give a large range and th- say, oh, I think we're going to make a, you know, between 15 and 100 million, and we're probably going to make 75 and up. But the promise is, the, the, the thing is that, that those promises don't come through. The stock prices just plummet because they were promising something they couldn't deliver. So what about you? Because we have, we, we're going to talk about the disciples and it's, it's clear that especially Peter, but all of them over-promise like, like they promise everything. He's like, we're gonna, we're, we're, we will never deny you. We're going to die before we deny you. They don't come through on that. So they grossly overestimate their abilities and way overpromise. But what about you? It's not... Well, of course, also in relationship with Jesus, like, have you overpromised there? What's your What's your view of who Jesus is, and how do you relate to it? I remember when I became a Christian, one of the most difficult passages, well, not passages, but parts of uh, of movies with, about Jesus was seeing when Peter denies Jesus because that was me. I had many times lived a life where I I denied Jesus. In my actions, in my words, 
So how are we going to be encouraged by today's text? Well, we're going to go through it little by little. And then we're going to talk about, well, how do I live my life? Am I a person that over-promises and under-delivers? Or am I like... I might like the companies that would rather surprise. <laughs> and have you ever felt like the disciples, feeling like you had to overpromise? That has happened to me at work when I can feel like somebody wanted me to do something. They're like, you can make it, you can have it done by Friday. Like, and in your mind, you're like, no, there's no way I can do it by Friday. But you're like, I should probably say yes, but you already know that you can't. Or like you feel like your group at the university or the or the professors at the university are pushing you towards a deadline that's unrealistic, and smiling, you just say yes, yes, I'll make it. We ha- had one friend who who never said no, and they got so mad at him. But he came from a culture where you could not say no. He came from a culture where you could not say no to his professors, so they got so mad at him that he didn't deliver. But he didn't know he could say no, that it, 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 there was no way he could do it. So maybe you've seen that at work or in group work or maybe even with your families. You want something to do, you want to do something for your family or for your friends or your different, like for your wife or even maybe for, even for your enemies. You're like, yeah, I'll, I'll do something great for you or, or and you just... You just, you just, you just can't do it. You want to. It's not that. It's not that you don't want to. You just, you just, you just, you just don't deliver on what you said. Now those things create something in us. They can be like, okay, but next time I'll get it, or they will fill us with regrets, shame, and pain because we didn't do what we said we would. Even also in our relationship with Jesus, like, now it's Lent. <laughs> you know, like, some people say, I'm not going to do this for four days. I'm not going to do this for four days. Or you promise to Jesus, like, I'm never going to yell at my kids again. And Jesus would be like, ah, I, knew, I know you are. <laughs> so uh, there's, there's something about, like, knowing ourselves, like Paul talks about, don't have a high of you, don't have a low of you, but know who you are in Christ. Also, as we look to Peter's, look to Peter, he has an extremely high view of himself. We've, we've seen it before, but he doesn't have a, an accurate view of who he is. All those things, we'll get to those, but but it's just uh, that's just to place us in, to place us in this because if you all like feel like you all remembering all the things you didn't deliver on, well, you're in company with the disciples. And like I said in in my end of my prayer, the only one who always delivered is God. Everyone else fails, and that's why this week in Matthew is the end of Matthew is so, so important. Well, all of Matthew is Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection is so important because we have failed. But Jesus is going to make a way for us. Now, all of this comes to 
um, this is um, from the um, olive trees in Gethsemane. So first they go to the Mount of Olives, then they come to this garden, and they think that Gethsemane means uh, olive press. Um, and people would say it's probably a place where, at this point in time, you remember there's so many people in Jerusalem that some of the people are probably out there camping because there's so many people in in the um, in the city. Um, so Jesus, this would be a place that they've known before. And so they walk out there. And Jesus, Jesus takes them. So now they're 11, and so he leaves eight a little bit behind. But before that, he says this thing that causes this whole back and forth thing that you will all fall away this night. And then he quotes um, Zachariah, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hands against the little ones. Uh, I was just reading all these things about, okay, what what does it all mean? Like Jesus is quoting this and the disciples' responses are, or at least Peter's response, even almost before Jesus is is done, is like, no, 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 that's never going to happen. But what Peter doesn't understand is, is this is talking about God doing this. God will do this. So we have to understand that this is God's plan, that he will strike Jesus, the shepherd, and the other ones will fall away. Yes, it will be through the work of sinful people doing it for their own purpose. But this is the plan of God. So when when Peter jumps in, again, again with so much confidence that he totally ignores what Peter, what Jesus has said, and he's done that before when this subject had come up. First time Jesus said he will die, Jesus said, no, 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 Peter would say, no, no, let that never happen. And Jesus saying, get behind me, Satan. Because you're not setting your things on the things of God, but the things of man. So this is happening again now. Jesus is quoting what God will do. And Peter will, goes in, totally confident, saying, no, no, that's not going to happen. I know you just said I'm going to deny you and fall away. It's not going to happen. Because even if all these all are, uh, how many other ten will deny you, I will not. Because I am a lot more dependable than the than the ten other people. This this been imagining being one of the other ten. <laughs> like, what's he saying? Like, we're gonna deny him and. Oh, we better all go in on the same. We're all going to be like, none of us are going to deny you, Jesus. And we will die before we will deny you. But uh, then (laughs) Peter, uh, Jesus, again, gracefully just says to Peter, "Uh, yeah, you're not only going to deny me and fall away, you would also deny that you ever knew me three times before the sun comes up. But Peter, so confident, 
he doesn't want to hear that. He's like, no, no, that's not going to happen. I will die. So, um, and this is what Ma- Matthew Henry writes, the commentary. He says, improper self-confidence like that of Peter is the first step to fail, to fall. There's a proneness in all of us to be overconfident, but those fall soonest and foulest who are the most confident in themselves. Those are at least say those are the least safe who think themselves most secure. Satan is active to lead such astray. They are most off their guard. God leaves them to themselves to humble them. In modern English, <laughs> I think what Matthew Henry is saying is that if we're so confident in ourselves, we show a lack of trust and confidence in Jesus and in God. And Peter here clearly ignores everything Jesus is trying to say. He's like, Jesus, I hear you. You know what? I know better because I'm confident in my abilities to not deny you. But Jesus had just said, you will deny me because the prophets will be fulfilled and God will do this. And people, j- Peter jumps in, no, 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 that's not going to happen. That's grossly overstating you how one's confidence in one's ability. Yeah, I know the prophet said this will happen. I know Jesus, you, the Messiah, which I believe is a Messiah, said this will happen. But I know better. And Jesus gracefully said, no, you don't. And not only are you going to flee away, you will also deny me directly three times before the sun comes up. And So unless Matthew Henry is right, (laughs) we are prone to to do this. And we can see in Peter something that sometimes is in us as well. You've ever been, (laughs) of course you won't do this, but you've ever read scripture and you're like, or you ever thought through different scriptures and he's like, I am above this. (laughs) I can do this. I don't need God in this situation. I am smart enough to make the right decision without praying first. But if we look at our lives, that has probably happened many times. Not not ill will, not like, even when we want to do good for others. Have we considered what God wants us to do? Or was like, God, I got this, I'll take care of this. In this case, it's like going directly against what Jesus just said in the scriptures. Of course, we don't do that because we believe the scripture is important and God is important, so we don't do that. Or do we? Sometimes. Maybe do that. Simple ones. Love your enemy. 
Pray for those who persecute you. Simple things that we know, but we don't necessarily really like them often. But, yeah. So it's not like, and Peter has been so helpful along with the disciples because most of the time he's the person we would have been. He says the wrong things. He's overconfident. And if not Peter, we'll be the 10 other people just saying, yeah, we'll, we'll just what Peter said. <laughs> and so we find ourselves there in the story. Now Jesus has entered into the garden and things are gonna things are gonna be interesting now. Somebody said that this is such a intimate view we get of Jesus. When he starts praying to the Father, we see how part, how God interacts with himself. We see the Trinity there at work. First, he says to the people you to stay there, and then he says to James and John and Peter, "Come, come with me." And he says, "Watch." This means like keep watch, make sure nothing happens. Like, um, and then Jesus is is in a place where we haven't seen him before. He now goes like he says. He even expresses to them, "Like my soul is sorrowful unto death." remain here and watch with me. And you see the humanity of Jesus now as, as he's asking his friends for help and, and he falls on his face and he says to God, Father, if it is possible, let this cup of your wrath and all the things that comes pass if there's another way. But not as I will, but you will. After an hour, Jesus comes back and he finds the disciples awake, alert, and ready to fight on anything, like really supporting Jesus with their prayers. Um, no, he doesn't. He founds that they have already fallen asleep. This is their teacher, best friend, the one they believe to be the Messiah that asked for help. And just like an hour before, an hour and a half before, they said, we will never fall away. But now they were tired and fell asleep. And so Jesus comes and finds them sleeping. He asks Peter directly, not the other people, because Peter was so confident. He asks them, you could not stay awake an hour and pray with me? So you could not watch with me an hour. Watch and pray that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Jesus goes back and the same agony he, he prays. If this cannot pass, uh, I, unless I drink, let you will be done. He comes back a second time and still sleeping. He doesn't wake him up. He goes back and sleep. He goes back and prays again. And and Jesus is wrestling there. He's like, well, is he not wanting to do it or what's going on? Like, I think before we just get to that one, he like, Jesus is really showing us how to pray. 
Not religious prayers, but showing how actually to pray. Because God knows everything about us. So we go, if we go to God and say, God, can you, it, I would just feel great today, you know, and uh, everything's good. But you feel horrible. You feel far from God. You feel horrible. Everything is bad. Then pray like that. So Jesus expresses his pain, his of the coming suffering, of the wrath of God poured out of him for sin. He expresses all of that and then in a non-religious way goes and prays, not my will, but your will be done. So it's a license for us to be very honest with God and not just run to like, oh, but God, let your will be done. No, like express how we're actually feeling And it's interesting just to see the, I think it was the slide, I think, um, yeah, so Jesus is wrestling with, this is not going to be fun, but this is actually why I came. But he expresses how he's feeling, but he submits to God and the plan they were made to save humans from our sin and rebellion against God. I just thought that, that was really well put. 37, 38 speaks of an anguish so deep to threaten Jesus' life before he even reaches the cross. And then he got this contrast to Peter against Peter's threefold denial stands Jesus' three uh, petitions. Peter's confidence needs no prayer. Jesus' anxiety, anxiety drives him to prayer. See the different reactions? Peter's so confident he doesn't need to pray. Jesus, anxious to the point of death, is driven to pray and entrust himself to God. So it's better, better to have confidence in God than in confidence in ourselves that leads to prayerlessness. Better to be even in trial so we will pour out our hearts to God. Jesus actually wakes them up the third time he comes back they're sleeping he wakes them up and say get up my betrayer is at hand so Jesus now accepting the will of God knowing what's going to happen he has fought in the garden winning over the temptation like he did in the desert he says get up now it's happening I'm going to be betrayed like I've told you. Now it's happening. 
So all of a sudden, all these people are coming. And Jesus is speaking. Judas comes with this big crowd of people armed to go get Jesus. So Judas betrays famously Jesus with a kiss. He calls him rabbi. He called him rabbi, has always called him rabbi, and not once in Matthew does he call Jesus Lord like the other disciples. He betrays him with a kiss, and Jesus knows what's happening. says to him friend which really struck me at some point researching the word it's not bad some commentators like I think as actually the next commentator say like he still is not condemning him but he does say come to do what you've done and they seize Jesus and then confident as ever you gotta, you gotta give him some props like we know who we know who strikes from the other gospels, and it's Peter. He's gonna be like, "Now let's uh, let's roll. Now things are gonna happen. I will defend Jesus. I'm gonna start a fight." And so there's all these debates about he's not a skilled ninja, so he doesn't just cut his ear off. He's probably aiming for the guy's head, and he doesn't. He's a fisherman, but. What happens is that Peter, yeah, Peter goes and he starts to fight to free Jesus. And Jesus is like, I, I can just imagine, like, I don't know, like, just imagine Jesus being like, okay. The next thing Jesus says is like, um, oh, that's the thing I just said. Um, Jesus is like, put that sword away. You don't get anything about what happened in the garden. I have just overcome the temptation to flee this, and now you think you can get me out. But I could ask my father, and I could have had 70,000 to 145,000, depending on how big the legions were, angels come and beat everybody up. But then how will the scriptures be fulfilled if I don't go through this and Peter and most of the other people don't know what Jesus is talking about he's talking about the suffering servants the servant songs about how the Messiah was going to suffer and die and be raised again so Jesus is like put that small sword away I could get out of this at any point if I wanted but that's why I was what I that's why I was agonizing in the garden in prayer when you were sleeping. No, this, this is the way it's going to happen. I don't go because I got caught. I go willingly because I know what's going to happen. And Jesus addresses the crowd that comes out and says, like, why are you treating this this way? All week I've been in the temple. You came. 
I beat you up verbally every time. You can find no fault in me. You tried to trap me in my words, and instead I exposed your sins. Why didn't you take me when I was sitting there? I have never worn the weapons. I have never tried to escape. Again, Jesus puts up a mirror and says, this is who you are. You're the criminals, but you're the one that treats me like one. Jesus also adds, you don't know this, but you're fulfilling the scriptures. You're fulfilling prophets with your greed and your uh, envy. That's why you came out to get me. Confused, Peter thought he was going to deliver Jesus I'm guessing drops his sword along with the other 11 and runs away. Jesus then is taken to Caiaphas' house and we will get there next week. So before we get to the last part there, <coughs> Like I wrote, so what does this all mean? Well, we've already been talking about it. Um, there was one time in the very beginning, a man named Adam. He had one command, and that was not to eat of the fruits that God said he couldn't eat. He could eat everything else. Perfect. Everything was perfect. One command. And he failed. Adam did not trust God. He doubted God. That whether God's plan was the right one. Was God really good? Was God trying to keep something from him? And he joined in eating thereby mistrusting God. We see Jesus, the new and better Adam, in the garden, under way more pressure, under way more distress, to the point of death, entrusting himself to God, believing that God's plan was the best one, thereby conquering in the garden. Jesus put his request to God, how he was feeling, expressing all the feelings, but he trusted in God. That's why Jesus was able to go on. Even as Jesus, even as Peter's leading the rebellion, Jesus puts it down and says, no, no, we need the scriptures to be fulfilled. We need to trust in God and do what he has said. 
so what about us? Like, <laughs> the hard part's like, what we already talked about from the beginning. Where does your confidence come from? Are you blind to your overconfidence and your overpromise? Do you ever overpromise? And if you do, then why? What do you put your hope and faith and trust in? Is it yourself? I can do these things. Or is it that I can do it through Christ who strengthens me? Jesus has made the way. Or who do you, what do you call Jesus? Is he just a teacher or is he your Lord, your God, and your Savior? So it's been the big theme. Either Jesus is who he says he is or you will live your life for yourself. We see that experience. We see that as the Pharisees and the religious teachers doing things for themselves. And so you might have been some things that might have been stirring up in you where you're like, ah, these are not nice things inside of me. I see those things. But then it's now time to just to pray to Jesus like this is what I'm feeling this is what I'm experiencing I want to give these things to you and actually trust in you and then some of you it's on the other side it's like you're just so grateful that you heard this story again because it reminds you of how great Jesus is and you can feel like joy bubbling up inside of you and you're like yes this is why I want to continue to worship and rejoice and grow in Jesus but it actually probably also shows us what we think about Jesus how we respond also to like who is God can I trust him would I be more like Adam or would I be more like Jesus Because in this text, you did see all the failures of the disciples, but you also see the victory in Jesus over the temptation to not go through with fulfilling the scriptures and taking on himself the wrath of God and our rebelliousness. But instead, we see the loving kindness towards us that God has said as he sent his son towards us who were even his enemies. So what does that mean for us? What does it mean for you? Before I pray today, if you have comments, questions, things you want to talk to people about things you want to pray for I'll just ask you to do that and not just run away um, just ask one of us here and we will pray with you and so yeah don't rush it away especially if the Holy Spirit's stirring up things in you sit with it and ask somebody to pray with you let's pray
creator of the universe, uh, almighty God, Father, thank you. Thank you who are an everlasting God, uh, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, faithful, the one who always keeps his promises. Thank you for showing us your love and who Jesus is. Thank you that it's not about how good we hold on, but because you held on. So Lord, I pray you just meet all of us right where we are. I pray you help us to take away our overconfidence in our own abilities and trust you instead. Lord, I do pray that it's something you help us to do all the time. Like, as the song said, we need you every hour. We need you all the time to make sure that we're listening to you, to do what you have planned. Lord, help us not to be overconfident like Peter and rejecting your words and rejecting the scriptures, but instead submitting to you, Lord God, listening to your words. Holy Spirit, as you bring to remembrance what 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 Jesus has taught, help us to submit to it and take it as your words, God. Help us to understand you better and better. We willingly, gladly submit you and worship you because of who you are. We can't do this on our own, God, and so we ask that you will move in us Help us through the Holy Spirit to keep growing, understanding you better, and applying this day by day. As we do this, may you get all glory and honor and praise. May we be a people and bring this good news to others that they can be reconciled to God, even though they have failed. Maybe also even be some salt and ask people why they're so confident in themselves when they failed so many times. So that we can bring good news of great joy to all the nations. That's who you are, Jesus. We thank you for this time. <clears throat> In Jesus' name. Amen. So we can uh, stand up and receive the benediction. So today from Hebrews, the author of Hebrews write, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with anything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.